Well, I want to say one thing about what you just said, because I relate to that tremendously. And that's what you said about, I did all these things, and I hated it, and it, did, it was very unfulfilling. And I feel like that perspective got flipped upside down for me, because I was the same way. And I think the difference is, you do those things to be saved, versus doing those things because you were saved. And that's the difference between a faith and a works-based mentality. And I think a lot of our upbringing was based around works. You do these things in order to receive your salvation. And that's not even what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that Christ saves you and then you are compelled. He, he changes you just like in a relationship. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to the ultimate shift. And before we get started today, I'm just going to remind you guys, you listeners, that if you get anything out of this podcast, please subscribe and review the show and share it with your friends. We don't have sponsors. I'm not going to make you listen to a bunch of boring ads, but I would appreciate if you guys shared this stuff. And today is one of my best friends in Nashville and also the very first podcast that I ever did next to the one I had to talk about myself for a minute was was with you, Josh Wilkins. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Wilkins. That's crazy, man. I didn't realize that was your first podcast. That made me do one with about 30 minutes about where I talked about myself. And then then that was like the the intro about the show or whatever. And then it was then then I brought the guests on. Oh, okay. And you were the very first guest I had. I think one of these days we need to trade places and I need to ask you questions because your story is incredible and it keeps developing. And I think you need someone to sit across the table from you and interview you so people could hear about the amazing Ephraim Blick. I like this better. Yeah. I like when I don't have to talk. Uh, but actually, Alex Valley, who I interviewed the other day, um, he said the same thing. And then we said, if we get 10 reviews and if 10 people subscribe and review the show i'll let him do that so same thing here if 10 people subscribe and review this show and specifically mention josh wilcutt's episode 60 i think this is episode 60 pretty sure wow. episode 60 josh wilcutt's uh you know and and you subscribe and you review the show then then i'll do the same thing okay so because because i need people to to you let us give us feedback subscribe so we can do this you won't regret it so the last time, let's talk about this for a second. The last time we were here, we were both drinking bourbon. <laughs> now I'm the only alcoholic in the room. I'm no. the only one here drinking. And yeah. you're drinking water. So what happened? Well, you know, I, that's kind of a long story, but I took a break from drinking because I started this program called 75 Hours. Actually, it, it wasn't long after But did you finish? Well, I don't want to talk about that part. But the one, the, <laughs> one of the main requirements of 75 hard is to not drink alcohol for 75 days and honestly i thought that was going to be the hardest part for me because i was drinking a lot of the time and when i got to the end of 75 days i saw so many positive changes in my life i decided to continue and i can't say that i haven't i i, I broke the fast i was in hawaii 
my sister got engaged and she was having her 30th birthday and we had some champagne. So I technically am no longer, uh, I've sort of fallen off the wagon, you can say. But you've had like one drink in a year <laughs> and a half. I've, yeah, I haven't really. And that was champagne. That doesn't even count. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so I've kind of, uh, but I did learn that I don't need alcohol when I'm in a bar or at a party to be happy and interactive with people. I thought it, it was kind of a social thing for me at parties and in bars that I felt obligated to have a drink in order to, you know, let down the walls and have a conversation. And that was one of the most uh, freeing discoveries was that I didn't have to do that. So do you think people get hung up on that? Do you think that people think they have to have alcohol when they don't have to? I do. I do. Especially living in Nashville in uh, the music scene. I think a big part of the networking is, is associated with going to bars and drinking. And people don't realize that there's a lot of benefits to not <laughs> drinking. So, so what have you noticed in your life that's better because of not drinking? Man, waking up in the morning is a, is a more pleasant experience. Um, and we're not talking every day. We're just talking about like if you went out. I mean, or are we talking about every day? Well, I mean, I used to drink every day. I really every did. day. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you were an alcoholic. I would. I. You know what? I don't know that I would say I was. An I shouldn't say that because there's yeah, probably no, a bunch of people. Please don't say that on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I. I was. Um, but I definitely, by some people's definition, I may have been. I don't feel like I was addicted to the point where I had the shakes if I didn't have a drink or that I had to have. There was one point in my life where I had a lot of anxiety, and I remember thinking, I don't know if I can sleep without it, and that was the most scary moment with drinking that I experienced. But I'm great now. I would say, and in fact, that's one of the things I would say about fasting from alcohol is I, is my sleep got better and my anxiety went down tremendously. So that's, that's crazy. Cause yeah. I would, I think, I would think people would think that, that alcohol relieves your anxiety. And that's, I think that's the lie it tells you is temporarily it can offer, you know, kind of a, it kind of numbs it. But it always comes back to bite you. And I think there's scientific evidence behind that with serotonin levels and things in your brain. But yeah, it's kind of a, it will surprise you. So, so you'd say your life is better not drinking. I would say so. I don't like to make it a rigid. I wouldn't, I would never come up and tell someone that they need to completely quit drinking. I would just tell someone to consider the value in maybe taking a break or drinking less. Uh, I know because you and I, we both live in Nashville and this is, this is a big drinking city. and Well, if you get wrapped up in that world. Right, exactly. Um, and so it's, I think it's always good to try to take a break from, from things you may have uh, depended on a little too much to, you know, to either socialize or just that things become normal that shouldn't be normal. I don't feel like I've ever been dependent on alcohol. I drink, I may have a drink like once every two weeks, yes. maybe once a week sometimes. You seem pretty, pretty level-headed but uh, I, I, I as you drink your cocktail over there, which I believe you told me this is your fifth cocktail of the day. This is my second. <laughs> but I've also done more podcasts. I enjoy drinking with podcasts because honestly, uh, not because I feel like I need them, but right. because it loosens me up. Yeah. And it helps me to sometimes, honest, it, as weird as it sounds, follow along better. Like if I'm listening to someone. Yeah. It kind of takes... Like my brain works in a way that it's, it's going a million miles a minute. For me, it just a, a glass of bourbon just slows me down. Yeah. And, and, then, and then I can, I can think better. Like that, what is the cons of not drinking? Because for me, I mean, you have had this discussion. Like, like I, I write better mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I had a drink. And I guess the important thing here is a drink. Right. 
I write better if I'm having a a bourbon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my thing is an old fashioned or mm-hmm. or peanut butter whiskey and and ginger ale. And so if I mix that and I'm writing and I'm just having a drink, or if I'm reading and I'm contemplating, I'm thinking, I'm putting a proposal together, or I'm writing, uh, you know, a keynote or something. Like like I do that much better drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you write sober? Man, if that I will agree with you that there is a level of creativity that comes from uh, being a little bit intoxicated, maybe not completely intoxicated. And I think there's. I think it's stop. I think there's a, a line. There's there. a fine line. Yeah, where yeah. It's it sloppy. And I would say I'm open to the idea of, of drinking a little bit for creativity. I don't have anything against that. Um, like I said, my break that I took from alcohol, I never intended it to be permanent. It sort of accidentally became more permanent than I expected. And I would, I would, I would utilize it. I wanted to do this podcast today just to see, you know, partly when you when you asked me if I wanted a cocktail, I I just remembered the last time I did it, I had a cocktail, and I thought, well, this time I'm gonna I'm gonna drink water. And uh, but yeah, I think I think it does help with creativity. The one uh, side effect of that though that I found is that I'm lazier if I'm drinking all the time. So I might feel more creative, but I'll depend on that. Uh, inspiration that's coming from drinking and it, it, it's very short-lived if I really? that becomes a cycle but in a moment like this where you're having a conversation or you're you know yeah absolutely with writing it does help so you just released a song called I don't go to church anymore let's talk about that okay yeah so so what, what's the inspiration behind the song did you write this song yourself is I this, did. Yeah. no one this was not a co-write it was not a co-write most of my Damn. music I write by myself yeah, this song, I wrote it probably four years ago because I think I found some of the, the one of the notebooks I wrote it in, and it was, it was, it was, I thought it was more recent than that, but I, you know, I, I never intended, uh, I, I was, I never thought I would release it myself as an artist. I kind of thought I would pitch it to another artist, and uh, I wrote it, the inspiration behind it was, you know, I had, like you, had a very uh, interesting upbringing. As far as religion goes, you were Amish. I grew up in a commune, and I think we talked about that a little bit in the last. Like Waco. Yeah, you, you like to describe it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't. I would. You know, it wasn't quite like Waco. People think. Uh, people think Waco, and they think you know, there's men having multiple wives and all that. But I would say. So they me, didn't have multiple wives. No, no, there was. There were no multiple wife situations. In the there was not one man that was picked to sire the entire herd. <laughs> no. No, no, that never happened, uh, to the best of my knowledge. But, you know, it took me a long time to say this, to even, because I, I was pretty loyal to the community and I still love everyone from the community. And people oftentimes, when I, the moment I start describing it to them, would call it a cult. And You don't think it was a cult? You know what, at this point in time, I would, I would say it was a cult. And just the definition of cult is a religious sect. It's a pretty generalized definition that definitely fits that definition. But even there were some cultish things about it. As in? Uh, just just the, the the push to remove yourself from the world to the point of, you know, just too much seclusion from the world, not enough interaction with the world. And that was in the early stages of the community. But uh, over time, it did evolve. And that song, you know, when I... When I walked away from all that, uh, and even just, I've always been from a very young age, kind of a soul searcher and just been on a journey to figure out what I believe. And I, and it has to be personal to me and I really love honesty. And so I would say 
that a lot of what's in that song, the lyrics, are talking about, you know, leaving church and and kind of looking back on your life and feeling lost and questioning your decisions and, you know, still also having this belief that there is a God and that Jesus is real, but you don't, you know, also feeling guilty of walking away. There's there's a lot of emotion and, uh, you know, just the concept of, of feeling lost and but still looking in that song. And that's kind of where I was when I wrote it. But like I said, in my mind as I was writing the song, I was specifically thinking, I'm gonna pitch this to a country artist. I could never cut this as an artist because most of the people that know me are Christians and I still have a faith and this would be too controversial and it wouldn't be on brand with who I am as a person. Let's just play the first line of it because I, 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 I wanna let our guests know like, Let's see if I can pull this thing up. There you go, so. They used to meet in Babylon on the desk beside my bed. But now this half a bottle left the whiskey there instead. Okay, so that's probably not the actual case right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but. I we're talking about alcohol. And that was a real. That was a real thing. That was a real thing. I remember waking up and seeing. A, I, in fact, I think I saw a Bible and a bottle of whiskey. To be completely honest, on my nightstand. And <laughs> see, that's something. That's something I can't relate to. Like when people talk about drinking, I never have beer at home. I have wine at home. That's it. Now we have beer, tequila, and everything here at the office for yeah. anyone that comes. But like, I don't think I ever woke up with alcohol on my nightstand. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a, I remember seeing that. And so a lot of the, the lyrics in that song are painting real pictures of my life. And, but I also, I did write the song in such a way to make it relatable to other people's stories. I, you know, it wasn't, maybe every detail of it wasn't exactly like my life, but, but I, there were more details than I realized until I looked at it later that, wow, I was writing my own story and I didn't even know it. Um, but your story also changed a lot in the last year. Like this song means more to you than just when you wrote it now, right? right like like right. you just last year, I don't know how to phrase this. You became a Christian ish okay. or I don't know. How, I don't know how to say this. Like people, the term Christian has different meanings. But right. but you you got to where you got baptized, basically. I did, yeah. and, and like you say, like Jesus changed your life. Right. So like. How does that fit in? So when people hear that, so first of all, let's say that to say, like, it's not like you're saying, you know, well, fuck church, right. basically. But right. it's saying, it's, it's you're, you're going beyond that. Is that right? Yeah. With, yeah. The, with the song, you're, you're going further than that. Right. It's not like you're anti-God. No. It's like you're, you're going somewhere else with it. Right. Can you explain well, that? Well, two things. One is when I wrote that song, I wrote that song four years ago, uh, that song doesn't necessarily describe who I am today. And the, uh, in the song, I never, I never once am, am pushing the idea of, uh, not to believe in Jesus or anything like that. I'm, it, I'm actually pushing more of a disenchantment with uh, church and, and, and just kind of being lost. And that's, that was just the honest place of where I was when I wrote it. And I think a lot, of, a lot more people are there. And what, what surprised me the most about the song, because I, I remember the first time I played it live, and I was playing in a backyard show, and I knew a lot of Christians were going to be there. And I was pretty nervous to play the song. When I finished the show, that was the song that 
honestly got the most love from the audience. And I had people who I knew as pretty devout Christians coming to me and telling me, I love that song, I don't go to church anymore. And it was shocking to me. But do you think they loved it because they felt like you are now different? Or they loved it because they they knew that you actually believed that? No, they, they loved it because it was honest. And I, in fact, they believed that that's where I was. Because at the time, well, the first time I performed that song, I was most certainly confused and, and kind of lost on what I believed and kind of finding my way. And they they all knew that. But they so were now, you, now you have found your way? I believe I have, man. I, I, I'm not knocking that. I'm yeah, just asking. No, no, I... I and it, I've always liked the idea as throughout my life, I kind of like the idea of being lost because saying that you had found your way just sounded like the end of a journey. And I like to think I was still on a journey. But I also see a lot of the ins, uh, that's very unstable. You know, it's to, to constantly live your life saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, is you have to have something that grounds you, some, some form of faith. And everyone has faith in something, whether or not they like to admit it. And a lot of people, I believe, have faith in the wrong thing. And so, um, yeah, so that song, what was your original, what was, I, I just lost the, the flip. No, we were talking about, like, basically, whether or not the people believed that you believed what you were singing, which, which you, which you think. And they would appreciate the honesty. And also, what was crazy, I would play it in, I would play it in bars as well. And a lot of people who no longer went to church would always come up and talk to me. And that's my favorite thing about music is that when you're, you write your story and you end up writing someone else's story in the process and suddenly they want to tell you their story because it's like they just literally heard you tell them their story from the stage and they want to come up and say, me too, I feel the same way. I, you know, I was in church and I'm no longer uh, a Christian. I don't believe in God. And, um, and yeah, so anyway, it's, it's been interesting because when I, when I push the song, uh, for the release, I targeted religious audiences, and I actually got kind of a backlash from some people. I started, I got some messages from people in church that were basically telling me, you know, stop, you know, hating on the church. And well, yeah, but you could expect that. <laughs> I know, guess I was a little surprised, I, you know, after the feedback I had gotten from audiences that I played it for. But it was, you know, but they don't know you, and you aren't exactly. singing it to them, right? Like right. meaning that the being there in real life is probably different. Mm-hmm. So. What what is like? Do you think there's a disconnect in church and God? I think there can be. I think that sometimes people make church into God, and and I specifically mean religion. And meaning they think more about going to church than they do about God Himself. Yeah, I think they 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 overcomplicate who God is, and they you know you can see if you read the Bible, you see this throughout the whole Bible. Is is you know. God's people were always, you know, he, he wanted to be their God, but they would get stuck in religion and all kinds of replacements for God. Because we always want something we can control, and God isn't something you can control. And so church can easily become a replication of a God that you worship that isn't God. And I, I, I wanted to go out of my way to tell people when I was releasing the song that I'm not, my goal here is, was never to tell people not to go to church. I think mean, church is a, great, is a great creation from God. But uh, one thing that was interesting is not long after I started the project, I had this film crew reach out to me. Uh, they wanted, it, A friend of mine from L.A. was friends with a director of this uh, documentary they're making on Hillsong United, which is a huge church organization, music organization. And 
he just was looking for somebody that was connected to the Christian music scene, which I really wasn't at the time, but I gave him a call because I just made some contacts. And in the process of that call, we started talking, I started telling him about my up, my upbringing and the commune and everything. And he was fascinated with it. So he said, I want maybe, you, I kind of want you to be a part of this project. He's like, I'm going to have someone interview you. And so I had one of his, one of the people on his team call me and we talked. And one of the last questions she asked me uh, was, what would you tell people who went to church and were burned by the church and it lost their faith in God in the process? What would, you, what would you say to somebody like that? And the only reason I, the answer I gave her surprisingly was one she had never heard. And the only reason I could give her that answer was because of my, my own upbringing in the religion. And what I told her was if people lost their faith in God because of a religious experience or because of the church, then maybe their faith was never in God to begin with, but in religion. And she she was like, wow, that no one's ever said that. But I think that's so true. I think that that's what happens when you just define God as a, as a specific, you know, as this religion and this church, and, and that's your God. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So who's God to you? I think he's... I think he's the God that was in the scriptures. I think uh, a big thing for me was, you know, I always believed in God as a kid. And I think part of that was because I was in a position with my own, my biological father where I, I had a need for a father. And I was taught the scriptures. I was taught about God. And so I started praying. And that made, developed a relationship with God that I had. The one part of that whole picture that I didn't fully understand was Jesus. And which to me is the most important part of all of it. And that was the part that was left out. That was the missing piece. And that, that would be the reason why I, I believed I hadn't found what I was looking for. I was still searching. And I think that's the one thing that differentiates the Christian religion from all the religions is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so... But there's also people that are Christians who say that Jesus is God. Right. Well, because it, and people talk about Trinity... Father, the Son, and the Holy okay, Spirit. Okay, so so do you not think of that that as as one as a whole? I think that they are all connected and they're all one, but I also think they're you know they're deliberately described as individual things as well because they each play a role. Okay, I'm only asking. Yeah, no, ask whatever questions you want. <laughs> I'm putting you on the stand yeah. here. Yeah, no, I I think the song is is great in a way that I. You know, I don't enjoy church, and you and I have had this conversation, but um, I I don't enjoy church. I think it's it's a show. And, of course, I, I don't believe in God to the extent that you do either, I don't think, but not to throw myself under the bus there, but but it's just, you know, you know what I mean. But it's I'm always interested in how people perceive things to be and, and how they... And then, if you are a Christian, you know... I know a ton of people who consider themselves Christians who don't believe in heaven and hell. And I'm like, how can you pick and choose? How can you differ differentiate those two things? Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? Heaven and hell. Yeah. Well, to be This is either going to get you a lot of followers <laughs> or a lot of haters. <laughs> hey, I don't care. You know what? My mom told me one time, never talk politics or religion. Hey, and here we hey, are. You started this conversation. <laughs> you started this conversation. Well, the first thing I would say about heaven and hell is nobody truly knows. I And that's... I think we try, it's, it's dangerous to try to overdefine something that you've never seen, that you don't know. Um, I believe we can see manifestations of it as we're living. Uh, we can see the repercussions of our choices. And I've always had this interesting picture of heaven that some people probably wouldn't agree with. But 
I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to go there. I think heaven is not a place, you know, in, in our world, everyone wants to be so significant. And I believe that's, that started, you know, if we're, if we're going to bring the Bible and scriptures into this, I believe that started with the fall of man. Like the, the fall of man was man wanting to be like God. And so since that moment in time, we crave significance. We want to be known. We want to be worshipped just like a God would. And that mentality, if, if we have that mentality, I don't believe we would want to be in heaven because there's only one God in heaven and we worship that God in heaven. And so I think there's a certain amount of humility uh, and brokenness that we have to experience in life that would even put us in a place to, to recognize our true nature of who we were meant to be, where, where we will function correctly for us to even want to go to heaven. And I think, so ultimately, I think we make that choice. I don't even, I don't, you know, and this, this can, you know, turn into predestination and all that. There's a lot of beliefs out there where God has already decided where everyone's going to go. And, you know. Which never made any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. It, it the, the idea of that to me is, is ridiculous. It's like saying, well, before your life was planned, first <laughs> off, before we get into that, because people are going to say, well, the Bible says this. Yeah. You know my stance. I don't think the Bible is meant to be taken literal. I just don't. I think the Bible is full of metaphysical or stories I think there's that, a lot that, of that are meant to use as guidance, yeah. but I don't think it's meant to be taken literal. Right. And if anyone has a question to that, uh, there's, a, there's an author who wrote a book, and I'm going to have to pull it up here to, so I don't get it wrong, that really, really, uh, it, was, it was really awesome for me to to read this book, and it's called The Complete Reader by, by Novell Goddard, and it's, it's an amazing book. But anyway, if, if I think, you know, now that this has become a re religious topic, we which go. we can always go to COVID or something yeah, else more, can, more interesting, can, we, I'll talk about um, but I think that, you know, what a miserable life if, if you believe that God has, before the day you are born, decided your entire life and where you're going to end up before. So that just means that everything and anything that you do in your life is, uh, what does it matter? I'm, you know, I'm basically going to end up here anyway. And I think that's a very just uh, miserable way to live life. Yeah. I like to think that we have free will. free will and that we have the the control to change enough of control. I'm not saying that we... You know, obviously, any one of us, you can be in an accident tomorrow and be and be dead, right. or any one of a million things. Yeah. Um, uh, someone could blow up this this building before we're done talking. You know, it, it's just so many different things. But I think there is an element of control that we have in our life that that we need to have right. in order to better your life, in order to make something more worthwhile, make life more worthwhile living. Yeah. And I I like to think that we live this life multiple times over. Like you talked about that yesterday. I I love that idea. Now I'm not saying that's yeah. the case, but I, but I do think that that I have. I don't. You know, there's been places, there's been people and places I've met in this life. People I've met that I've met someone in this life already that we looked at each other. And we were both at the same time. We were like we've known each other in other lives. Interesting. And I've also been to places. That and I didn't know this person from Adam when that was said. I mean, I maybe met them five minutes. And I've also been to places, specifically Montana, where I go to certain places, and I'm like, I, and I felt that in my last trip. I've never been to this one part before, and I went to this one part. It's called Paradise Valley, Montana. Anybody can look it up. Beautiful area. And I was just driving down the road. I'm like, I've been here before. And there's this overwhelming feeling of, I, I know exactly where I'm at. I've been here before. I'm not, this isn't my first time here. 
And it was the best trip of my life. Wow. But I, I felt like I belonged there. And I do think that at one, you know, it's weird, but yeah. I'm not saying I have the answers, but I, I just think there's, I personally believe, and this might get me a lot of haters, but that's fine. I believe that the Bible is meant to control masses of people. It's meant to control masses, or it's used to control masses. It's meant and used to control masses of people intentionally and not and away from thinking too much outside the box. Well, I think anything in life can have multiple uses. I think you can use the Bible to control people just like you can use a weapon to murder someone or defend someone. You can use things for different purposes. I think... I get that, but I'm saying... What I'm saying, I think the, the, the reason the Bible has stood the test of time so long is... And I think it's significant. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not writing off God or Jesus or anything. Like, I do believe... At the end of the day, I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross. But I do believe that the Bible, in its original form was designed and meant to control masses of people, to keep them in a certain box. And especially now, so I think even as the years have gone, and there's maybe not in its original form, because that original form, I think, was very different. And then the context that we read it in today are the, the, all the freaking, you know, different editing that has gone through. But I think in the way that it's meant today, like the church, like whether it's a Catholic church or whether it's a, a Mormon church or, or the church, I think the church is uses it whether or not it was meant to do that originally, today uses it to keep people in a certain box. Same thing as politicians. You know, religion and politics, I think, are two of, the, two of the most corrupt things in this world. And because people use them for that. And the sad part is so many people live their lives according to it because they have essentially never questioned its origin. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I that was a realization I had when I started reading the scriptures after understanding who Jesus was and knowing him personally. When, for instance, when David, who is one of the most prolific characters in the Bible, talks about the word that was at the time, the law, he talks about it almost like it's something he's eating. Like it's like, it's literally sustenance for his soul. He describes it as being sweet. But do like you do realize what he's reading and what you're reading is two different well, things? Well, he, he was reading, he was reading what, like basically the law that Moses had written in, the, in this older book. But what I'm saying with that is, I see the Bible as something that's supposed to feed you. And there and there's parts in the scriptures that literally talk about it, to meditate on the word. It's never talked about use the word to control the masses, use the word to, you know, as a way to win an argument. And I think a lot of Christians, because of ego, will use the Bible, will study the Bible for their own agendas. And so they'll put their agenda in front of the scriptures. So they're reading the scriptures against their agenda. So they want to make a point about predestination or faith versus works, and they go into the Bible like that. I don't do that anymore. I go, I read the scriptures literally, and I feel something inside. I feel, I feel fed. And, and I notice when I read the Gospels, because I had read the Gospels before, I'd read the Bible front to back before I had this encounter with Jesus as a Savior. And there was a scripture I read that said where Jesus... He's telling, he's telling the Pharisees this because they were the ones with the biggest egos. And he said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And I realized at that moment that the entire gospel was a love letter that was written to sinners. Whereas before, I, I saw it as something completely different. And so when I read it that way, it was so much more compelling. So much, it, 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 was, it was moving. That's who he was, that he ultimately loved his creation so much that he would die for them. And he specifically came for people that were broken. And until you were a broken person, until you identified as a sinner, 
as 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 a sick person. That was this, the gospel wasn't for you. And so a lot of the people that reading that are reading it, I don't I don't identify that way. And so they read it with an ego. They read, and those are the people that control people. Those are the people that manipulate the scriptures so that they can they can create this religious organization that is a substitute for who God and Jesus really was. Which is essentially the church. Is that the point you're 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 putting out, or are no. you just put, the song means so, something completely different than I, actually the the title? Yeah, and that's been a little bit of confusion around the song. Is that I'm not trying to fight against the church because I I believe in the church. I probably have. A what do you mean you believe in the church? I believe that. God, what is the church to you? So the church to me is people. Any any time Jesus talked about the church in the Bible, he never talked about a physical building. I ne- I didn't hear that. He, he's the, the times I mention it, or the times I heard, I've, I notice where he mentions it. He even he talks to his disciples and he says, "People are going to tell you the kingdom of God is over here. The kingdom of God is over here. They're going to tell you, no, it's over here. It's over here." He, and he looked at him and he said, "The kingdom of God is within you." And then the other, and that's a person that's speaking about people. And then he said about Peter, "On this rock I will build my church." That's a person. He's talking about people. And so. The most important part of any physical church are the people in the church. And so I, I believe church is community. And that's actually one real positive thing I did take from my upbringing is because that's what essentially that's what they were trying to create in the commune I lived in. They were trying to create a church that was a community rather than a, a Sunday ritualistic kind of thing. Well, that that's very much like I, like the Amish people. They don't right. even have a church building; they have it in their house. They, yeah. they take turns having church in their house, but it is a community. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I've started even trying to. I do these Sunday brunches, which are very casual. Um, You're just not calling it church. You know, I, I, I yeah, because I, it, it's, it's all <laughs> definitions. I just think I think that what church is and what people define it as can easily be two different things. What Christ defined church as and what you would you would define church as today are different because of the definition that's been given to you by the world. And so I kind of wanted to erase from people's minds people that had defined God as their religious experience. I kind of wanted to create a clean slate and sort of and I'm finding my way with it, honestly, but I know one thing is true. Church is community and churches other people that believe in Jesus coming together and encouraging each other. And I also know that Jesus only he specifically says, I came for broken people. So I would want to create an environment for broken people. People that don't believe in God. People that don't believe in Jesus. That's who he spent his time with when he was on the earth. He didn't, he didn't, you don't see him go into these, you know, the only time he, the time we hear about him going to the temple, he was, he was pretty upset. He was flipping tables over and, and, and stuff because they had turned it into a marketplace. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I don't go to church because I don't need the hype. I don't need, I'm not a hype guy. You know, you go there. And they sing a line over 50 times or whatever. And I'm there. I want to kill myself. <laughs> I remember sitting in church with you. And I'm not going to name a church in town because, you know, we don't want to do that. But no. I remember within, within well, probably almost the moment we sat down and wanted to leave, you were squirming. All right, I there just, was a lady behind us that every... every <laughs> it's always... The, it's, it's a, every time I go to church... The few times out of the year that I actually go, there's always I, I always pick the one seat where the person behind me is like yelling and screaming. And I'm just like, that's amazing. Fucking kill me <laughs> is literally what I think. But no, it, it's like I understand the mission and I'm not here to knock churches or no. say they're, they don't have their place. No, I, think, I, I think for me, it's like 
For me, I'm a message guy. Just tell me what, just give me, give me something. Give me, give me the meat. I don't need the hype before. And the same goes, not just for churches, but the same goes for conferences. Like, I don't need you to crank the music up and have someone coming out and rock. I get so annoyed at that the same way. I'm like, get me out of here. Someone's like, hey, clap your hands and everybody say blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, just come, just give me what I need and I will leave. And I've, I've been on that side of it shortly after I had, you know, had my experience. I started getting all, all these people started reaching out to me to lead worship in their churches. And I went to this one church to, and it was, this was a big charismatic. And church. weddings too. Don't let that out. <laughs> By the way, guys, if you ever need someone to sing at your wedding. <laughs> oh no, don't ever, I don't like doing weddings. Um, There's but, a story behind that. <laughs> I, uh, but I went to this church. I decided to go ahead and do it. And I don't really know any worship songs. So I had to, I had to like cram my brain with as much worship song information as I could. And there was a guest speaker there, and he took us all into a room right right before everything started because we were going to open up a worship, and then he was going to speak. And I'll never forget what he said. And this is everything that I don't like about that about the church experience that you know that happens sometimes. He said, "Listen, guys, I, you guys are going to get up there and you're going to sing, but when you get off stage, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to speak. And at the end, towards the end of my you know my sermon or whatever it is, and this was to a bunch of young kids, which made it even worse in my opinion." Uh, he said, at the end of it, I want, I want the piano player to come back up and just you know, start playing some soft, pretty music while I'm speaking. And then he's like, then I want all you guys to come back up and do something dirty. Because I'm going to do an altar call. And, we're gonna, and I just... He said, do something dirty? He said, do what does that mean? Dirty. What does that exactly, mean? Exactly, exactly. I knew by his definition, he was saying, do something that's going to manipulate their emotions. And he wouldn't want to... He wouldn't want me to describe it that way, but that's exactly what he was trying to do. And that's exactly what happened. And I remember just being absolutely disgusted on stage singing, watching these kids crying, watching them come up, watching, you know, people laying hands on them. And, and maybe they had good intentions. I don't know. But I don't believe, just like in a relationship, because I believe Christ is a relationship, you wouldn't want someone that's dating a girl that's that's going to be committed to them to play the whole thing off emotionally. There's a lot of logic. There's It's a big choice. It's a sacrifice. And you know, in the moment, it can be emotional, but to use the emotion as the defining point to bring somebody to Christ is very short-lived. Yeah, I don't like that at all. But that's just look, man. Like, I don't, know, I don't have the answers. I, I'm just, I'm just a podcaster, whatever roofer. Um, I'm, you know, but and these are all just my opinions and the way I see. Like, but, but I will say, I, you know, I have lived the life that you're supposed to live even as an Amish, you know, I lived that life. And I also was that guy that went to church all the time and was that guy that w- I was in church every Wednesday night when the door was open. I was that guy that that didn't have sex outside of marriage and, and you know, fuck that stuff. <laughs> I mean, sorry for cursing, but no, 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 I'm not. I'm actually, I'm just saying it like it is. Like I, I was very unfulfilled during that time and, and I'm not blaming it on the church or religion, but but I am blaming it on the church and religion uh, in, a, in a way because I was doing what I was told to do. And it was only when I stepped outside that box that that I, I guess in a way I kind of believed what we were talking about earlier, that my life was predestined regardless. And I got rid of that. And, and it's only after that that I started having tremendous success in business and relationships and people. And, and I actually live a very happy and fulfilled life. And... To this day, and it's it's not. So I'm a little jaded when it comes to to that side of the world, I guess. But but that mean that doesn't mean that it's not right for someone else. But it's just I just think that the church 
in a, as a whole is a lot like social media these days. It's like, it's a lot of hype and bullshit. Whereas just give me the realness, give me who you really are. Like if, you know, and I can take that all day long. That's what I prefer. I, I don't want to be manipulated. Like you were saying, I don't want to be uh, hyped up so that my emotions connect with you. I just want to know you for you. And we just have a talk and a conversation and a story. We swap stories and ideas. I think that's what the church is missing. And I think, honestly, I think that's why so many young people want no parts of it anymore. Because they see the generation that it created. Well, I want to say one thing about what you just said. Because I relate to that tremendously. And that's what you said about I did all these things. And I hated it. And it, did, it was very unfulfilling. And I feel like that perspective got flipped upside down for me because I was the same way. And I think the difference is you do those things to be saved versus doing those things because you were saved. And that's the difference between a faith and a works-based mentality. And I think a lot of our upbringing was based around works. You do these things in order to receive your salvation. And that's not even what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that Christ saves you and then you are compelled. He, He changes you just like in a relationship. And I remember looking back on one of my relationships, uh, a breakup I went through, and I remember my ex saying something to me right before we broke up, and it never made more sense than it does now in relation to Christ. She, she said, this just feels like a lot of work. And I thought about that phrase for a long time because the truth was she was not doing a lot of work in that relationship. I was, but I wouldn't have described the relationship that way. I enjoyed loving her. I enjoyed putting in the work and it was because I was compelled by love. What she was ultimately saying was, I don't love you because if it feels like a lot of work, you don't love them. And I think that's the difference. And I I literally took that concept and applied it to Christianity because it felt like a lot of work when I was younger. But then when I came to know Christ, suddenly I loved Christ more than I, I found more hope in that. I found more fulfillment in that. And hence, I trusted, I had faith that he knew better than I did. And I could see the repercussions of my own choices and things that he didn't want me to do, not because of some huge moral code, but because it was for my, it was for my well-being. And I think that's, that's what happens to people, is they, they say, do this to be saved, when it should be do this because you were saved. If you're not compelled by love, and if, you, if you're supposed to do everything joyfully, right? Do you think those people are all doing that joyfully? No. If, it, if it's not done in joy, if it's not done because you were compelled by, some, by, by Jesus, then it's meaningless. I mean, Paul says that in the Bible. I can offer my body to be burned. I can give all my money to the poor. If I have not love, I have nothing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and first off, too, like for any, any listeners, like I don't ever want to sway people from, I think, you know, you and I have a different viewpoint of who God is even. But I think that the important part is knowing yourself and knowing why you believe what you believe. And there is no right or wrong. Meaning like, I, don't, I would never want to sway someone from the church because of what I said on a, on a show or something. But it's, I think it's just knowing why you're there. I think a lot of people go to church because they're told to and because they're, they're, they think that it's the right thing based off their parents. And I think it's important to find out who it really is for you, like you've done. Like you've been down all kinds of different paths and you've found the one that that you that is fulfilling for you. And I've found the one that's fulfilling for me. And even though they may not align, I think that's the important part that I'm always trying to tell people is like, think outside the box and create your own freaking box. Be honest. You don't even have to create a box, like just create your own. Yeah, be honest. Be be upfront with it. And be so yourself. 
And also realize that things change. I mean, my God, my, my viewpoint on if we're talking about Christianity has changed dramatically over the years. I mean, and you've who's done a to lot say? Of I've been to every church you can pretty much think of. I've read the Bible in multiple different versions all the way through. It's not like I'm sitting here speaking as a dumb person because I'm not dumb. (laughs) I mean, I might not be the brightest guy in the room, but I'm I'm also not not the dullest tool in the shed. Like I've done a little bit of work, but but I found what makes me happy, and I think that's ultimately. And that's not that's not saying I don't believe in God, but. But I think there's something to be said about like what you said about even in a relationship and love as a whole. I think that's a huge thing that you can you can learn from that. And I think it's a, that's pretty awesome that you you actually were able to put the two and two together. Yeah, like I mean, it's, realizing that it wasn't the work; it was the the lack love. of love. It was love. I mean, that was and, and, I, and no. I've been in that. I've been in her situation. I've been in my my ex girlfriend's situation. When? relationships. Oh, we don't have to. <laughs> Every relationship. No, no, it's... I've just seen that if it isn't love, everything you're doing is, is meaningless. It's striving, and that's exactly what that sort of theology leads to. And, um, yeah, I think love is at the center of it all. And, and, and I like to say that, too, because people will say, how do you know there's a God you've never seen? Him? And Yeah, how and, can you and, love and, someone that you've never met? And, and so... What my answer to that is, you, you've never has anyone ever seen love? No one's ever actually seen love. Yes, I have. But you've only seen Montana. You've only, <laughs> you've only we've only ever seen love by the effects of love. What it does to a person. Our understanding of love is solely on what it what it does. Just like the wind, no one's ever seen the wind, but you know you feel the wind. You watch the wind move. You you see it. You know, take a roof off a house, and you know, and we believe in the wind. We know that there's wind, and God is literally in the Bible described as love. It says God is love, and so you know, I think love is things. I think it's a tree in 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 the fall. I think it's the ocean. I think it's the mountains. I think it's it's the five parrots at the zoo that were encouraging each other to curse at the visitors. I I really do. It's those things. I think it's it's I think it's everywhere. It's everything. Yeah. Well, I think God is everywhere, and I think God is everything. Well, true. And I think that love, I think those things inspire love. But I think we've physically never seen love. But if you see a tree... That's a tree. That makes you happy, that's beautiful. It makes you feel love. You experience love. Then you're seeing love. It's right there in front of you. I mean, I suppose you could describe it that way. Yeah. That's how I see it. That's how you see it. I'm not saying that you see... I see trees. I... I, No, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. Also, that that there is love in a form that you can't see, and it's it's felt. It, it's from the heart. It comes from within. I think. Yeah. Personally, I think it, it's you create. I think you can create love wherever you want it to be. In the same context as people, people see the world as. Was it you that was with me the other day when who I was Peyton? We were coming back. We were listening to this this podcast. Actually, Joe Rogan. And this guy was on there, on the podcast, and he was talking about, he has such a jaded view of the world, like he thinks the world's out to get him. And I just told Peyton, I'm like, what, is, what a sad way to live if you think the world is all bad. Like, I genuinely believe the world is a beautiful place yeah. full of beautiful people. Yeah. And yes, there's, there's, a, you know, there's bad things that, that happen, but... I think your perception of the reality around you is is exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And everything's perception. Yeah. 
There's people that believe that we're not actually here, that the buildings aren't actually here. Right. You know what I mean? Like everything's perception. And, I, and, and in that way, I'm not saying to that extent, but I'm saying, I think however you perceive something to be is how it's going to be. By the way, also includes relationships mm-hmm. and loved ones sure. and dating. Yeah. However you perceive a relationship to be is what you're going to get out of it. Because I think, like my buddy Stacy was talking about on the podcast this morning, was like, you can fall in love with anything. He's like, he fell in love with a hermit frog when he was a kid. <laughs> and when that hermit frog died, his pet, he was heartbroken. A hermit frog. And he's like, in the same way, we can fall in love with people. We can fall in, if we can fall in love with pets... And then we can also fall in love, and pets are easy to fall in love with, and therefore people are also easy to get to fall in love with the, the emotions of relationships and things. And I think that, in the same twisted way, is also what love is. It's a perception of your reality. It's a perception of what's around you. That's what I think. No, perception is, perception is everything. And there's a song, and I can't even think of the artist or the name of it, but the story of the song is about these two guys in a hospital room. And one guy is describing his view from this window to the other guy. And he's just talking about how beautiful it is, the sky, the trees, and everything. And the other guy becomes so jealous, he wants that bed. So he pulls the the guy's plug, his life support plug, and and that guy dies. So he's moved to that bed, and he gets to that bed, and there's no window, it's just a wall. And that whole time, his friend had been describing his views to him to to give him hope. And 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 that that just, to me, speaks a lot about perception. Damn. Yeah. I hope that him a lot of good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's um, no, I, I believe a lot I believe you create your own reality. I that I, happen, yeah. I believe that you can you can uh, intentionally here's I think probably where you and I differ is I believe with every fiber in me that every person in the world can intentionally design their life. Mm-hmm. Meaning However you want it to go, you can make that happen. I don't care what color of skin you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care where you grew up. I grew up Amish, and I, I ran away from home, and I didn't have any money and anything, and nobody, you know, I, I wasn't given a loan to get by. But if I'm able to create the life of everything that I've ever wanted, I had, a, I had one of the best compliments that was ever given to me. The guy said, he was asking me what I want to do, and I've known this guy since I was, in his words, knee-high to a kunzai. Bubba, <laughs> you met Bubba. Yeah. And he's told me one time, he was asking me what I want to do about something, uh, I don't even remember what it was. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. And he's like, man, that's, that's a, basically a lofty goal or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, whatever, you know, I'm still going to do it. And he's like, if there's one thing I've learned about you, it's that everything you've ever said you were going to do, you've done. And so, and I realized in that moment that, I can intentionally design my life, and I think that everybody can. But here's the kicker. With everything we've been talking about today, what gets in the way of that? Guess what the number one thing is that gets in the way of that? What's that? Religion and you, belief you system. believe religion is the one thing that gets in the way of that? I, I have seen it with my own eyes, mm-hmm. where people, people say, well, the Bible says, or this and that, and they come back to, to they step outside their box, and then they go for something, but then, and it's, again, it's about each person's own perception, but then somebody from church, I've heard this being said, well, somebody from church told me that's not a good idea, or blah, blah, blah. Or so that's that person's opinion. That's correct. Not it's still a perception. That's religion. I, I'm, that's religion. I don't yeah. think religion and God are, are in the same box. But I'm saying, if 
until you change your perception of religion and God, that still is going to continue to happen. You know what? You follow what I'm saying? You have to separate the things. And so you have to start compartmentalizing your life and putting things in boxes where they're supposed to be. You can't say God and religion are the same because I don't believe that. If you do, now you've just boxed an entire portion of your belief system in one box. And so my point is that in order, a lot of people try to, if you if you believe the Bible is meant to be taken literal in every context, as I know many people who believe that, including my parents, yeah. then you're going to live your life in accordance to the guidelines and the perimeters and the box that the Bible gives you. So therefore, both my parents, I can freely say this, are not living the life they would want to have. I know enough about both of them. I'm, I, I'm close enough to both my parents that both of them have desires in their life to which are not being fulfilled. Doesn't mean they're not happy. Doesn't mean they can't be to some extent fulfilled. But they both have desires that they cannot fit within that boundary, uh, that oh. the, the box they put themselves yeah. in. And that's why I think that's I think is sad. I think well, that. I I have a thought on that. Do you think that whatever you want will make you happy? Do you get whatever you want? I think whatever your heart desires is there for a reason. And if your want and if your want is aligned to the desire, then then yes. So that's where I think we differ we differ in views. I think that first off, I don't believe any of that makes you happy. I think yeah, happiness well, is a choice. I think but. that's the confusion. You could tell you could tell a, a, someone that loves heroin that you know it, you can have whatever you want. It's going to make you happy. It, it ultimately in the moment it might, but it, it's destroying them. And so I think there's. A lot of times, what we want and what we need are not the same thing, and and I believe that. Give me an example. I mean, well, that, that the one about you know, there, there's things that I would want to do in this moment. I mean, I I I think cocaine's a lot of fun. I, I, <laughs> oh my god! I think it, 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 you know. That sounds terrible, yeah, honestly. Yeah, well, I, there's things that you would want in a moment, but I think. So you know, you're saying if I. I wouldn't even know who to call. But, but, but let's even, say if I if there was a line. But here's here, here's like, another thing. Even when it comes to dating, there there's there's a woman that you might want that ultimately isn't what you need, and and that's where I believe there's a lot of because we've all been in those situations where we've we've dated the girl that we wanted that wasn't right for us, and the results we paid for, and so that's why I think we have to have faith in God, and I think what you said about. What you said about designing, we can all design our own life. And I, and I, I agree with that. I think that we all have the ability with hard work and, and structure and the right perspective uh, to create a wonderful life for ourselves. But that's still at the mercy of God. Everything that we have comes from God. I believe that. Where, where, you could have been born in an impoverished country right now. And, and what you're saying would nowhere near be as true. I've been, I've been to Africa where, where the economy is collapse and there's and it's just a different world these third world countries you couldn't preach the same thing to them to someone that's in america your philosophy isn't necessarily entirely true there and so i think we we have to give we have to ultimately give glory to god and thanks to god for whatever we have i don't think we the fact that we're on the earth today the chances that you know your parents you know got together and had you there that that's a very that's like winning the over. honestly that's a pretty good chance they had 10 children yeah so. well, they, they have yeah, they have so many kids eventually you're gonna pop out but but i get what you're saying but everything comes from god and it's i think it's dangerous to think and and sometimes egotistic to think that we're the ones that truly create everything good but i also think it's responsible to think that way the way you but think. but listen, there's a balance let me put a twist to that whole story okay so I agree. There's, there's, you know, obviously 
uh, San Luis, Mexico, where you and I have both yeah, have been yeah. to with Caring Hearts. So right. It's a different world there. It would be very hard to get off the ground there. Although there's people that do and they come to America and this and that. When I say that I believe you can intentionally design your life mm-hmm. to create whatever it is that right. you want. I still believe that with everything I mean. But let's take it a step further than just the literal context of that and say your perception is your reality. So meaning if you above where you were born, above what country you're in, above who your parents are, above uh, what circumstances you've been dealt. It's also proven that the mind, your your subconscious mind cannot comprehend the difference of of your reality or a dream, providing the emotion and the dream is there. So meaning if you are, for example, writing a journal, this is how I changed my life. This is why I'm so steadfast on this. So let's say you're this kid in Africa who has nothing, is living in a dirt hut and not even a roof over his head. Yeah. Now, this kid may not have the, this kid may not even know of an America and high rise buildings and things like what we have here, but let's just say he does. Yeah. If you can envision and dream about that thing and then you put your, your, and you feel as if you're there, if he did that long enough, right. he would end up here. That's been proven to be consistently true over time. That's what faith is. Okay, fair. Well, some, to some people that's called uh, meditation. Some people call it the universe, giving them what they want. Some people call it faith. Regardless of what name and box you want to fit that in, it's still, I think, that whatever we truly desire, if you spend enough of time visualizing it as if it was... I visualize this little dinky office we're in five years, ten, five, eight, ten years ago yeah. in downtown Nashville. I wasn't even in the same business. But it's, it's everything in my life now looking back has been a visualization of something that I dreamed of before. And I just thought about it enough and to that where I felt the emotion of it happening. Yeah. And therefore, my subconscious mind did not know that it's not exact, actually my reality at the time. So it started making it my reality. And I think ultimately what I'm trying to say over everything, that is what, what I'm trying to say when it comes down to you're designing your own life intention. No matter where you come from, no I, matter where you are. Yes, and I and I fully agree with you. I believe faith is the most powerful force when it's real faith. You call it faith. I think that each person can... The difference here is... It's a word, yeah. The, but the difference here is... And I'm not saying you're right, by the way, or wrong. I'm definitely you, right. you, <laughs> you tend to label it faith. And then you think that if I tell God my desires and everything, and if I have faith, these things will happen, correct? That's not exactly, no. I, I, I'm giving faith a more general definition than I when I say faith. I, you can have faith in a lot of different things. If you want to say faith in God, that's one thing. If you want to say faith in yourself or a career or a woman or whatever you want to have faith in, we're constantly having faith in things. But when it's true faith, it's followed by actions. And when you visualize okay. it like you're Fair. saying, that's yeah. real faith. Yes. People, people think faith is... You know, that's, just imagining something and, and not really truly believing it's a reality. But faith doesn't really become real until you sit back and you say, I have this. It's there. I have to now do put these steps into motion to get to it. And so that's the kind of faith. But what I, And I wasn't disagreeing with you at all. I think that that approach to reaching your goals and your destinations is the only one that's really going to work in the end. But what I was saying is that what we want and what we need are not always the same thing. And I remember being in San Luis, Mexico, and one of the things that stood out to me so strongly, you may have noticed this too, 
everybody there was happy. Mm-hmm. All these poor yeah. people were so happy, and and that and that comes back to perception. That comes back to all those things. And I and I was kind of confused by that. And I thought about all the people I know in America that we're always on our phone, we're on social media, we have everything we want at our fingertips. We any any anything we could possibly want, we can have momentarily. We can get on our phone and we can we can order Uber Eats. We can have someone buy our groceries. We can jump in an Uber, go downtown to a bar. We can have anything we want at this moment. And I remember being in San Luis, seeing people with nothing acting as happy as if they had everything. And I remember going to San Diego right after that because I was flying from San Diego to Nashville and I was at a sushi restaurant and my waitress was from Mexico and we were talking. I told her I was, you know, I had just been in Mexico and she told me this and I'll never forget this. She said, you know, I grew up in Mexico and I was poor and I didn't have all, all these things. And I moved to America to, to do what you're saying, I mean, to, to pursue my dreams and to live the American dream. And she said, you know what, now I, I have more money and I, I have what I want. And she said, but I miss Mexico. I miss how happy everyone was. I, I miss the celebration. She was a Catholic and she said, you know, after church, it was like the celebration. She, she said, in, Mexico, in America, everyone's on their phone. They have everything they want, but they're, they're just, they're not as happy. And so that's what I mean by what we want. You know, our world, especially America, tells us that, tells us what we want. They tell us what is going to make us the most happy. But is that true? Is that really true that what's going to make us the most happy is having everything we want? Or is it possible that what we want and what we need to truly make us fulfilled aren't the same thing? And that maybe we're being lied to by society? Well, I, I definitely think that. And I think America is, is filled with greed as what well. What makes you the happiest? What makes me the happiest? Yeah. Helping other people. Right. So, my, you know, I think America is full of greed and I agree with everything you and said. And that's also in the Bible, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, it says there's more joy in giving than receiving. I get the you are, you're, you're, you're I get the most joy out of <laughs> I like that little pun. <laughs> I get the most joy out of seeing the people I get to work with in my circle thrive awesome. and, and and live what they. You know, America's is full of greed for sure. We have the reason people are unhappy in America is because we don't have any problems. And that's going to be the downfall. And we don't exactly we don't have any problems, so therefore people create problems. Like we don't. People get so involved uh, politically in all this bullshit that goes on around the world because they don't have any problems, so therefore we create problems so that we have problems. We need to struggle. We're fat and lazy. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But the the thing for me is I I think, and this is sometimes where 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 not you specifically, but people disagree with me on, is I am a shark when it comes to business. I've been called that many times, and I'm fine with that name, but. The, the reason I look at that is I'm a shark when it comes to making money and business. And I just think that I'm not that kid that was born in Africa. I'm not that kid that was born in Mexico. I am that kid that had opportunities stacked upon, stacked upon my life. And I do think God's given me favor and still does give me favor in life. And so I think it's that I have to now make take those opportunities and make something of them. So the way I know how to make something, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm, I'm really not that smart at all. I went to eighth grade. And, I think but that I know how to make money. And so I, I think that it's important that in a capitalist society where I can make money, and if I work hard, I can make money, I should do that. Mm-hmm. And then what, do I need the money? And this is the, what in reference to do I need it and do I want it are two different things. Do I need the type of money I make? No. Do I want to make it? Yes. The, and the reason the one is there is because I can make that money 
and I can go and change someone's life, life yes. or people's lives with that money. Right. I can go to San Luis, Mexico, and I can change more than one family's life. Right. I can go to Africa, and I can change that kid's life. Because, and I just think it come when it comes down to it, it's like I shouldn't squander the opportunity I've been given. I 100% agree. And so that's so because of the place that I'm at, I don't need everything I have, but I'm never going to stop chasing for more because it's one, it fulfills me, it drives me, I like the journey, but two, it, it enables me to give. I just remember when I was broke and I had no money and right. and nobody would help me, and I just remember thinking. If I can ever change this, then I would never forget how that felt. And that's why I do what I do. Right. And so, so I think it's, it's sometimes important to, to go for more than what we need in a sense. But, but that doesn't mean that it's going to make us happy. We have to then find other things to, to – I think happiness is a choice first. So, I mean, I'm not in a relationship. He's single, I, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, I'm not in a relationship. I don't, I don't have – I don't go to church every Sunday. But I'm the happiest I've ever been. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need things to make me happy because I've made it a decision and a choice to be happy. And happiness is also fleeting. So you have to continuously update that choice. Hey, yeah, I don't know how I went off on that rant. Well, I would say one thing to all that. Maybe you were created to do exactly what you're doing. And that's why... 1,000% that's I believe why you're that. That's doing it. And, it's, and the, more, the harder you work at your calling, if you will... The more fulfilled you're going to be, and is my calling and, roofing? Your calling is is to yeah. You've created a business, and your business has helped a lot of people, myself included. And I would say that not everyone has that calling, and I think that's the mistake in America is that, and especially now with social media, everyone is pushing that everyone should be an entrepreneur. Everyone, everyone thinks that they should yeah. be. Everyone and, thinks they're an entrepreneur. Right. First off, and my question to that is, I don't think everyone would be fulfilled like you doing. I think no. a lot of people would burn out. I think a lot of people would hate themselves because they couldn't accomplish the goals you've accomplished because you were wired and created the way you were to, to, to function best in that world. And the truth is, if everyone was an entrepreneur, you would fail because you wouldn't be able to hire. You yeah. wouldn't be able to have people help you with your vision because they would have their own. They would, exactly. they, they would want to do their own thing. So people have forgotten that, hey, maybe not everyone is made to do the same thing. Yeah, no, maybe someone's meant to start a roofing company, and someone else is meant to work for that roofing company, and, and maybe they'll be the most fulfilled doing that. And so people need to stop pushing people to say, "The more money you have, the happier you'll be." I there's some people in this world that I don't think need a lot of money because they would be very selfish with it. I know you, and I've seen how you bless people with what you're given, and I think you're doing exactly what you should be doing. And I, I'm a big believer in obviously giving God glory for what we have and how He's made us, and but. I, that's one thing that's frustrating to me is that, especially now on social media, everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone's telling you, you can make more money. This is going to make you the most happy. Go do this. Hey, some people aren't meant to do those things. Yeah, and they're all fit. 99% of them are failing and they're trying to show you. <laughs> yeah. But it's like this this post I saw the other day on Instagram. This guy was like perched up with his pajamas on. He's like, and, and trading stocks. And, and he's like, you know, being an entrepreneur is everything. I'm like, you're not a fucking entrepreneur. <laughs> You're a goddamn stock trader. Like, say it for what it is. Excuse my French. But, like, you haven't gone out there and had to build a brick and mortar and had and, and been out there freaking grinding in the sun and the mud and through the sweat and tears. You're sitting behind a computer. You're a stock trader. Yeah. You're not an entrepreneur. And, by the way, 
That stuff can go as fast as it comes. Exactly. Everything I've built in three years could, could go tomorrow. Right. Boom, just like that. Right. And so, yeah. If you lost everything. I'm not scared of that. I've been yeah. there before. And why not? Because I've been there. I've been there. And you can rebuild it. I, yeah. yeah. It's, here's the thing. Nobody can take what's in my head. And, I mean, you can kill me. Fine. At that point, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, whatever. But, like, but if I lost everything today, it doesn't scare me because I've lost everything multiple times before. I've been broke to the point where I didn't have 20 bucks to get home from, from you know. I've been so broke, I didn't have enough money to get home. I didn't have enough of gas in my truck to get home. And I know how that feels. And I, I also have worked my way out of that. And that's what frustrates me with this big entrepreneur thing is like, you know, where everyone thinks they're an entrepreneur is like, just because your daddy paid your bills and gave you money doesn't make you an entrepreneur. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not hating on the people who, who work hard and go for it, but it's not like you said, you, you described the perfect. And I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else. It's just but there is a certain amount of chaos and, and craziness in the guys of us that work seven days a week and do the crap I do. Like most, like you said, most people that lived my life would be miserable. Right. I am completely happy. But most people need, uh, they, they want that companion. They want that person to go home to. They, they want that, you know, social time. And, yeah, you know, whatever. I do what I do and I love it. So. Yeah. And you may find later down the road that your perspective on all that changes. Yeah, for sure. Like I've always yeah. said, I'm fulfilled and happy. But if there, I'm also self-aware enough that if something ever starts changing in my life to where I start feeling like I'm missing something, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a wife, maybe it's kids, then I'll listen to that. I, I'm tuned in enough to know when something's off. And when that time comes, then I'll pay attention to it. Yeah. I mean, hell, it could be tomorrow. It could be five years. Who knows? You know, it could, I might see a girl walking down the street and all of a sudden I'm crazy in love and my life changes forever. Who wow. knows? Wow. I, there's one thing I have learned is that, that if you aren't willing to pivot, adjust and adapt in your life, then you'll probably be caught behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. Dude, cheers. We've been on it for over an hour. So I think it's probably about time to. Is it time to wrap it up? Probably. No, man, it's good. It's good. And I, I wanted to catch your, your story of the song, and I think it's a great song, and, and I think a lot of people are going to like it. The only problem is, as we've talked about many times, <laughs> you're going to be on this podcast as Josh Wilcuts. Because you don't like my other name. And you have another name, and so that's going to confuse people when they go to look up the song. Well, that's, we need to tell them the other name. Yeah, why is there another name? Because I had a name change when I was seven in the community I grew up in. I was given the name Yakeem. Why? Uh, you know, to this day, I don't entirely know why. I The, the community did name changes. They would give you a new name, and that was kind of, I think that comes from Revelations, where he, you know, they, he's going to give you a new name, right? Uh, and one of the guys in the community, I still remember, I, as a seven-year-old kid, he, he got up and he said, your name, you know, he told me that he had been reading the scriptures and this was my name. It was Yakeem. And, <laughs> and, and you were just like, okay. I was like, I don't know. I, I thought it was cool that I was cool enough to have a new name at the time. But <laughs> I think he could have picked a You're so one. different than me. I would have been I, like, fuck <laughs> Well, as a seven-year-old kid, I mean... He have a pretty big imagination, so I, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I, don't, I wish he would have picked a more uh, easy-to-pronounce name, but in, in the Bible, it's spelled J-A-K-I-N, and 
uh, Yakin was one of the po uh, pillars in uh, Solomon's temple. And there were two pillars. One was Boaz, one was Yakin, and Yakin means he will establish, and Boaz means strength. And I, I changed the spelling as a kid to wise because I just like wise, and the Hebrews use wise. So it's Y-A-K-Y-N. That's my artist name. And uh, I just always That's what you're on Instagram, Instagram and Spotify, Spotify. anywhere and else. Yakin.com, right? Uh, YakinMusic.com is my website. And then just Yakin. You're on Tinder? As Yakin, no, no, that was that was a joke. That's a great thing, dude. Yakin. It's <laughs> a joke. I just, I don't I don't use dating apps. I got in trouble. Why not? <laughs> I know why. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> You're dating one person and they all have friends. No, no, no. Anyway, that's another story for. Well, no, 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 no. What happened? Definitely not going to be on a podcast. Uh, no. What happened? Well, it's just one of those situations where you're you're talking to a girl and <laughs> you have and you're on Tinder and then her friends see it. Dating app, and you know, for one, those things don't go away even when you delete the app. You have to actually delete your account. Well, yeah. And so when that girl's friends are sending her pictures of me, <laughs> it doesn't look it doesn't look the greatest. I, I think I, I deleted all of them right when I was sitting there. How many matches did you have on Tinder? You never, yeah, you did, you liar. I, you know what, I, I did, and I, I never treated Tinder, I never took any dating apps seriously. I, I saw them as kind of like going to a bar and checking out the girls in the bar. Why did you go on then? Why, what made you download it if you didn't take it seriously? Man, I don't know, it was just kind of like entertainment, like Instagram. So you don't do that anymore? No, I never liked doing it when I had it. I thought it was, I never, I, I think I might, in the time I had dating apps, I think I probably went on maybe three or four dates with girls on those apps. I have a question. And they never amount to anything. I have a question for you. If if a girl is attracted to you, do you prefer her come up to you and tell you, basically? Sure, I'd love that. Or just not at all? It's an ego booster. Uh, but, but I mean, I so here's a... What I prefer, I think if she... I read a survey. I read a survey the other day, just before you finish. Yeah. That said... And I'm going to butcher it, so don't quote me on this, people. Okay. But it was to the extent that five out of seven women that approached the men married them. Wow, that sounds like something that would be true. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Five. So women, if you like a guy, guys, go, go, guys have no game. We're fucking stupid, man. I mean, we are. We're just dumb. <laughs> and but like, it's like we we don't we don't know what to say half the time. And yeah. but but I thought that was so crazy. And, and it was like, and I personally have friends that that have done that, and they married the, the guys. And I just thought it was crazy. I was well, like, I'm amazed at how many guys aren't able to go up and talk to a woman. I enjoy talking to women. I, and so I, I, I can go talk to a yeah, woman, but I mean, sometimes I, they're total. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Like, like you, I think I told you the story. Like, <laughs> you know, you're making eye contact, and then you go, and you're like, hi, what's your name, whatever, and then they're just total blanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not cool. I think we've all had that, and we probably get scarred. And yeah, it is, it's weird. Dating in this I wasn't world. even scarred. I was just pissed off. I was yeah. like, wasting my time. You never asked. That's why you're single ever since that experience. Yeah. Well, that's so you, what, you're, what you're basically telling people is that girl, more girls need to come up to you. And, and, no, I'm not. I just thought it was very interesting. I just thought that was interesting. I don't yeah. know. I, I was fascinated by that, and I'm like, why? And I think here's why. I think it would be impressive to me. I, I don't, maybe some guys think, 
would think that's a little too forward, but I appreciate people stepping out on a limb and doing something. That, that's I don't, impressive. I don't think most guys would think it's too... Because here's the thing. Like, just, just, just uh, hang with me for a second. I feel like women get approached by so many douchebags, first off. Right. Usually they're douchebags that are going to go up and say something dumb to a girl or whatever. Right. That they get turned off. Guys, on the other hand, don't get approached that much. And and guys are easier to talk to because we're dumber. We're literally dumber than women. And so we're easier to have a dumb conversation with. You know what I'm saying? I think there's truth to that. I don't like to believe I'm dumber than women. I think 1,000% women are smarter than men. Wow. I think... Uh, I mean, I guess a lot of female listeners to this podcast. No, I don't. I don't have no idea, honestly. I don't ever look at the stats. But, like, but I, I think that... I think of women as very intelligent human beings, and I think of men as running into a tree. Well, I think that's really sexist. Like, like everybody, <laughs> regardless of their gender, can be dumb or <laughs> Well, that's probably true. Depends how much crack cocaine they did. <laughs> but like, but I think of I I think when it comes to, in terms of explaining how women's brains work, think about women in general as in like they can have babies, they can listen to a child crying and console that child and make food at the same time and, and think to call their husband and, and think about what they're getting at the grocery store the next hour. They have like a seven lane freeway running through their brains. That, that's seven different. Okay. Men have a one track mind. Like give us a freaking dirt road and that's all we got because we don't even have a two lane road to run on. Like we can only think about, and I'm only saying this not to, not to knock men and lift up women, but I'm, I'm saying I wonder if that has some – it just made me think a lot when I read that study. And I was like, that's so crazy because I think there's probably something to that. Like if, if a woman was to approach a man, the conversation is 100% going to be easier because men don't give a shit how dumb the conversation is. They're going to participate. Whereas women are smarter intellectually and they're used to having dumb things said to them that are probably not followed up on most of the time. And so they're just more turned off by conversation. So I think it's easier – I don't know. This is merely my opinion and things that go through my head. There's no basis or facts behind I it. I think. I just, I just, I'm curious. Yeah. And, and, and the scenario of a bar, which is what I'm picturing for this, I think more men are looking to hook up where, and, than, than women. I think more, a lot of women, and I, I, this is just what I've heard from girls, is that they, they just want to go to a bar to have a good time. And, and I think guys usually have more of an agenda. That's and fair. So, and so if a woman comes up to a guy, that's, I don't know. The guy gets excited. He's like, oh, I got more of a chance. Yeah. I don't know. And that's kind of unfortunate for women that they, they go to a bar knowing that they just want to have a good time, but they're going to have to put up with. A bunch of jerks. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. Most of the time I go out, I just go out to have fun. I'm that's me too. You know, I'm, I'm not that guy that wants to entertain the next day. Yeah. But, all right, man, we, we have to, we've been on this thing for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> you have minutes. to edit some of this, man. No, I'm not editing anything. Okay. What, I, I want to do, like, one really crazy thing. What's one really crazy I'm thing? I, I was just sitting here thinking, if there's ever been something on your podcast that you had to edit out because somebody just did something so ridiculous. I'm not thing. editing this thing. I don't, first off, I don't edit. So uh, the uh, it would be completely upon the editing team wow. to decide whether or not it's going to get cut out. Okay. So, yeah. I'll think of something next time. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, go follow Joaquin Music. Josh is a great guy. He has uh, definitely challenged my thinking on many more times than not. Me, me and you, we both ways. Man. We ride. Uh, we drive a lot together, and we talk. We we've, we've had hours of these conversations. Yeah. 
And thank God there's not a mic to it half the time. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> the, stuff, can, the stuff we say? We should do a podcast while we're driving. No, we should not. Half the stuff yeah. we say is very inappropriate. No. <laughs> half the stuff would kill both mine and your career. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. Well, that's it for today. But, uh, yeah, guys, just please just uh, leave us a review how we did. Rate the show and subscribe and share, share it. Share it with your friends. And let us know if you want to hear Ephraim's story. All right, I'm going to stick to my thing. Ten, it takes 10 reviews and 10 mentions of this podcast, episode 60. Do it. Uh, it's worth before it. I'm going to let that happen. I'm, I'm, yeah, anyway. All right, cheers, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.